Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. I want to start off with a failure story. I figure if we get it out of the way early, <laughs> that we can have success later. So when I first became a minister, one of my very first clients was a wonderful person. She'd been in the congregation for many years. She was probably kind of uh, upper 60s, maybe around 70 years old. And she made an appointment to come and see me. And she said, you know, I've been a, a widower now for a number of years, but I'm finally ready, I think, to take on uh, a primary relationship. I would really like to have that experience in my life. And, and I don't think of myself as being too old. I think I'm ready to enjoy this aspect of my life again. And can you help me with this? Well, since she'd been in the congregation for a number of years, I already knew that she had a good spiritual practice. She knew how to pray. And so, uh, uh, although I was glad to help her, I thought maybe I ought to start with uh, where she is right now. Like, has she already maybe been praying about this or doing some spiritual practice around this. And so I asked her and she said, ah, there you go. See, I've been praying for this for a long time now, maybe uh, maybe six months, maybe longer, and I'm not getting any movement at all. And so I thought to myself, well, let me ask her maybe what that sounds like. And so she did a beautiful five-step science of mind treatment for herself right in front of me. It was probably better than I could do in some ways. It was beautiful. And I said to myself, gosh, I'm, I'm having a hard time imagining why this isn't being fruitful for you. Uh, I just, uh, I'm having trouble. And so we did, uh, I did, of course, a treatment for her and suggested a, a couple pieces of, of homework. And, and, and a few weeks later, uh, I saw her in, in the sanctuary from across the room, and she gave me the folded arms. Does everyone familiar what the folded arms are? <laughs> so I knew in one glance that I had not been all that useful for her because I was getting the folded arms. But, but you know, uh, ever optimistic, <laughs> I came in and uh, so, so tell me what's going on. She said, well, your prayer wasn't any, any better than mine. I just don't understand it. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, okay, so what, what's going on here? And finally I asked her, I said, well, well, at least tell me then how the dating part of it is going. Are you just, uh, or like, is it the wrong gentlemen that are there? Or, or what's that like for you? And she took a step back and she said, dating? I'm almost 70 years old. I'm not going to do any dating. And it was like, oh my God. She wanted a miracle in a bathtub. So let, let me... Let me explain what I mean by that. So, so I absolutely believe that miracles are ready for us always. But a miracle in a bathtub is when you're sitting in your bubble bath, all zoned out and wonderful, and you think that just by being in that state of grace that you can move a mountain. And I got to tell you, we have to participate in our dreams. You know, Ernest Holmes, the founder of Science of Mind, was really clear on this idea. In the human realm, most of God's activity gets done by, guess what? Humans. And in our own personal affairs, most, again, of God's work gets done through us 
and as us. And although I suppose there's no reason God can't do a miracle while you're in your bubble bath, uh, uh, that probably is not the best assumption to make. We have to actually participate in our own affairs as we are guided. And so today I want to talk about that idea of guidance. Uh, in, in, in our book, we're using uh, Mae McCarthy's book, uh, The Path to Wealth, this month. And in the section I'm covering today, she talks about the idea of our intuition, of really engaging that higher wisdom self that, that dwells within us, our connection to that, uh, that wisdom of all the ages, our connection to God, to our higher wisdom self, and how we can begin using it. So I think the place to start was uh, with a joke. And I will warn you, as I was telling this to my partner, Daniel, he said, you're not really going to tell that joke, are you? And I said, why not? And he said, because no one will get it. So here's the challenge. (laughs) So, of course, I couldn't resist then, right? All right. I will explain it, though, because when I first read it, I didn't get it either and had to, to go through it a few times. So a mathematician and his best friend, an engineer, attend a public lecture on geometry in 13-dimensional space. Well, how did you like it, the mathematician wants to know after the talk. The engineer replies, well, my head is spinning. How can you develop a sort of intuitive grasp of 13-dimensional space? Well, said the mathematician, it's not really that difficult. All I do is visualize the situation in any arbitrary n-dimensional space and then set n equal to 13. (laughs) All right, so let me explain. And, and, And honestly, probably only a mathematician gets that joke. Uh, let me use a, 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 a let me use an approachable idea of it. So let's say you came to me and said, "I really want to start doing some prayer work around my heart's desire." So one way of getting at that would be, "Well, what's your heart desire?" In this joke, instead they did the equivalent of saying, "Well, imagine everything in the entire universe, and then just subtract out what you don't want." Do you see? And I have the feeling that this is how we approach the idea of moving forward in our goals. We simply overcomplicate it. There is no need to know the solution to your problems. There's no need to know the entire path that might be followed along towards reaching your dream. I'm here to tell you, your intuition only needs to be engaged enough for the very next step. And I think we overcomplicate our lives. I think most of us, when we picture ourselves being in some enhanced condition, whether it's a success at work, whether it's a new relationship, like the, uh, the person I talked about earlier, we want to know how it all lays out. We want to not know just the next step. We want the next 35 steps. And I'd like a guarantee with that, please. And, and can you provide me with some photographs? Because uh, the whole deal is needed for me before I even want to take the next step. That's not how God works. It's not even how our intuition works. So I want to talk a little bit about this idea of intuition 
and how it really does work. Now, some people will claim that they don't even really have intuition, that that's something that some people have and some people don't. Some people are intuitive and some people aren't. I don't think that's true. I think just about everyone in this room has good intuition. Now, they may think of it in different terms. Some of us guys might think of it as that gut feeling you get when something isn't right or something is right. Uh, Difference of us might have it like a flash of insight. They might think of it as insight rather than intuition. Some people here uh, play the coincidence game that isn't really coincidences, if you know what I mean, where they'll go, oh my God, look at that sign. Look at that literal billboard. That is so telling me that I, do you get the idea? I mean, different people encounter their intuition in different ways. But I think that all of us, all of us have had one of those flashes of insight. I, I was talking to a friend and she gave an example of a time when she literally knew that one of her children was in trouble. For, you know, far uh, across the country, she phoned one of her daughters at like 3 a.m. And she said, nothing like that has ever happened in her life to where she just had that insight. And sure enough, her daughter had been in a car accident. She was ended up getting the husband on the phone. And, uh, and it, you know, things were okay. But still, it was that literal, I know something's going on. I simply know it. There's no reason for it. There's no explanation for it. I know what I know, and I'm knowing it right now. These are the things that we actually need to act on. These feelings, these senses, these flashes, these uh, uh, signboards, whatever form it takes in your life, when you have one of these, we move forward. Now, sometimes people will say, well, what if it isn't my gut instinct? What if it's just indigestion? And, and, and I get that. I get that. Sometimes our ego becomes involved, and it's really, it's really not so much God working through us or God illuminating the path, but sometimes it's my own ego saying, I just want this so bad that I'm going to do it, even though maybe I have hesitations. I think you know the difference, though. I think most of us, if we reflect, will sense the difference, and I have good news. If not... Ask again. Give me another sign. Explain it to me. Use the two-by-four if necessary. Have we all had the two-by-four before where it is so obvious that it actually hurts your head? It's so obvious. Okay. God can do that too. We don't have to go on an instinct that isn't clear to us. And I would suggest, and I'll give you your homework right away, this week let's practice using our intuition, even if we have to ask up front. So your homework for this week is going to be to think of an area in your life where you'd like some honest, good, godly, spiritual advice for moving forward, for taking that next step. And we'll talk about that a little more in a a moment. Let's put that into action. Let's have part of our spiritual practice be, I'd like some clarity on this. And I expect it today. And we will begin looking for the signs and the intuition and the flashes of insight and the gut feeling. We'll be open to it. We'll actually be looking for it this week. And then next week, let's compare some notes and see how successful we are. I want to use a couple examples, though, to maybe highlight how this works and why we ought to pay attention. First, an example that worked really well. I remember uh, a few weeks ago, I think maybe it was three weeks ago, I told you about my first job at the telephone company and how deadly, deadly it was. 
Well, I got to tell you, uh, although I made the best of it, and if you'll remember, uh, uh, you know, through play and some other things, I made it a pretty tolerable job. One day I was walking by the bulletin board about six months into working at the telephone company, and there was just a little notice that said programmers wanted. Now, keep in mind, my degrees are in English and theater. (laughs) And so as I'm walking by the bulletin board that says programmers wanted, there was something almost in my chest that made me just like turn and back up. And so I'm reading and it says, you know, people with an aptitude for computer programming will pay for some amount of training and our starting salary is at a certain level. And I just kind of stared at it, shocked why I would even be attracted to look at that. And a part of me was saying, well, yeah, it says right up front, if you have an aptitude for it. (laughs) I took the test, and I had an aptitude for it. And they paid for two years of my training to be a computer programmer. And in less than two years, my salary had doubled. And I was doing program. I was actually programming one of the machines that would spit out your telephone bills once a month. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm to blame for that. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Now, this, whether you want to call it a hunch, whether you want to call it a flash of insight, all I know is I walked by that bulletin board and I needed to act upon that. Now, did I know where it was going to go? All I knew was I was going to take a test to even see if I had an aptitude, right? And that might have been enough just to scare me off. No one likes the bad news of finding out you're not very good at something. And yet I felt that compulsion. All right, let me give you one more example and then we'll move on. So uh, actually it was about the same time. A friend of mine and I graduated from uh, college at the same time, both living in a, a, a tiny apartment in northwest Portland. I went off to the telephone company and he went off to real estate school after after college. And so of course he wanted me to be his first customer. <laughs> and so here I am, remember still on the low salary we were talking about last time. And he's like, no, we can do this. We can figure this out. Now, you don't want a big place, of course, but we'll get you a a condo that's nice. And and I'm like going, there's no money for that. Oh, no, there's all kinds of financing options. Let's find something you want first. And then, you know, in other words, he was becoming a good salesperson. So, Larry, beware. But sure enough, I I decide to to go with him and and look at a place. And uh, it was... uh, It was interesting in that he said, well, it'll be like living in a penthouse. And in a way, he was true. You took the elevator up in this really old building that had been converted into into condominiums. But it was kind of cool because they had built a brand new building next to it. And its top floor was one floor less than the top floor I was on. They'd taken out a window, and oh my gosh, I had the roof of this other building. And it literally was written into the thing that that was my outdoor space. And I just fell in love with that spot. But what I thought was common sense prevailed, and I said, I can't afford this. I said to myself, I don't see how this would work. And my friend Jeremy actually was really good. He came at me with spreadsheets and some other things, and I just could not 
see, I could feel myself in that place, but logically I couldn't see the steps that would get me there. And I said, never mind. It was only $40,000, and it was the first condo conversion in what would later be known as the Pearl District in Portland, Oregon. This is what happens, friends, when you need to know the whole path, when you need to have it all figured out for you, you can miss the chance of a lifetime. So let's talk about what is taking the next step does. How, how does our intuition play into the next step? You know, it's pretty easy. One of the things we need to do, though, is to be aware of where we want to go in life. We have to have that sense of where I want to be in five years, ten years. We have to have some goals in mind. And whether it's a, a new job, whether it's a new opportunity, whether it's a nice, nicer place to live, um, whether it's uh, social, better social interactions with friends or family, when we have that in our mind, we can use then that as a filter for listening to God. And when we have that filter in place, we start literally seeing the signs and the portents and the auspicious moments when we start getting feedback to try something new. Like my friend coming and saying, you know, you're now a professional worker. Well, I might have not seen myself that way at the telephone company, but that was a sign. Let's take the step. So I did take the first step. The first step was what? It was going to see that place. So that was cool. Then my intuition says, this is the place for you. Here's where I flubbed up. Here's where I should have said, well, the next step would be what? Let's see if I can get financing. Right? That was where I balked out. But do you see how our intuition can lead us just a step at a time. Now, it may not have worked out, although uh, later I found out my, uh, my friend Jeremy had actually called my parents the little devil, and they probably would have been willing to do a second mortgage on that place. So see, he actually had figured out even how I could do it, but I was like, it's just one step at a time. So for instance, uh, let's say you're looking for uh, maybe an improved career or a new job or something like that. What would the first step be? Well, yeah, or even just seeing, do I have a cover letter and a resume that would be a good thing, right? Uh, when was the last time we updated our resumes? You know, 1978, 1980. If we want a new job, we need to be taking the steps in the right direction. We need to be uh, ready to interview. We might want to practice interviewing with a friend. There are all kinds of things you can do to just take an incremental step after an incremental step. So that's the idea. First of all, we open our ears, and when I say ears, I mean ears, eyes, sensations, flashes of insight. We're open and receptive to receiving the message, but we also have to ask the question. The question is, what are the next steps? 
So some of you are familiar in the science of mind, we do the process called visioning. And very often one of the visioning questions simply is, what is the next step that I want to take in my path towards, and fill in the blanks, towards a loving relationship, back to my friend uh, with the miracle in the bathtub, what would be the next logical step? Availability. Get out of the bathtub. (laughs) Go out into the world where there might be eligible partners, right? Join a social club. Join meetup. Do some things where you're at least in the opportunity of meeting people uh, that might be there for you. This isn't actually difficult, But what it is, is it's something we're not used to doing. We're not used to thinking that we can receive divine guidance, and therefore we're not used to really acting upon it. And when we're presented with an opportunity, rather than engaging our intuition, normally we engage what? Our thinking self, the part of us that so often squashes our dreams, tries to bring us into, quote, reality, But the reality is usually on the negative side, the harsh side of what we're capable of and what the world can provide to us. Now, I'm not saying we should ignore bad information. When there is information that says, I can't do this, that's great. But when do we usually engage that? The very first second we have the insight, we start immediately coming up with the reasons why it won't work, why I'm not smart enough, uh, why there's not enough money to do it, why there's no time to do it, why I'm too busy with this instead of that, uh, why my talents aren't, uh, you know, I'm too old. It's like there's a million different excuses. We engage them before we even take the first step. So I would like to see if we can come up with a pact together that whenever a new idea comes our way, we will at least take what? The first step. Okay? Can we make an agreement to that? We can always back out of it later. Uh, My recommendation would be we take the second step and the third step until we get a definite answer from God that says, wait a minute, this isn't right. And I think, again, our intuition will tell us if we've gone along the ways and we need to adjust our course. But let us agree that we will all at least take the first step. That when something seems in alignment with what we want, if we're looking for a new apartment and a friend says, why don't you come over to this open house? It's like we're going to say, yes. We're not going to ask, well, how expensive is it? And, right? It's like we're not going to think of the nine million reasons why not to go until we've taken the first step and maybe the second step. Agreement? All right. I think this will change our lives fundamentally. Just a reminder of the homework and a final quote from Mae McCarthy's The Path to Well. So homework again. This week we're going to ask the divine for advice. Think of something that you'd like to achieve. Think of something you'd like to improve. Think of some area where you want to make progress in your life and ask God to show you, to tell you, to give you that instinct of what the next step is. Fair enough? All right, this is from Mae McCarthy. She says, following the directions that you get from God as intuitive leads can be one of the most difficult parts of this practice. Often we want to know and understand the reason for the direction and all of the steps. 
We want it to be logical. We want to know the outcomes of a particular course of action. We want it all before we'll even commit to the first step. We question the direction because it doesn't make sense to us at the time. But a central component to all success is learning to trust intuitive moments. When you get a lead, when you have a hunch, a flash, or intuitive direction, just do it. You must know that God is working through this action for your good always. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one life and one goodness. It is that infinity of all things. All of the wisdom of the universe is contained within spirit. It's the way it works. It's everything. And because it's everything, because that, because that wisdom is present everywhere, I know it's present for me. I know I can tap in to my higher wisdom self, that connection to God at any time, simply by asking the question that insight is available to me. I know that I make good decisions and make, a, uh, make good first and second and third steps along fulfilling my dreams based on this wisdom, based on that still small voice inside telling me, yes, you can do this. Yes, this is right for you. Yes, take that next step. And what I know is when I follow this guidance, I am so richly rewarded. My life blossoms. My, my goodness comes closer with each of those steps. As it is true for me, I know without question, it is true for the people in this room, for the people within the hearing of my voice. I know that each person here has that ability both to feel that wisdom from inside, that, that wisdom from spirit itself, but also to take those first few steps along that path of greatness. That each of us has that, uh, that wisdom, that each of us has that courage to move forward powerfully. And so for this, I am grateful. For this, I give great thanks in recognizing that God is present in all of its wisdom everywhere. I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So happy you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.